Hi, my name is Vicar Manson. All my life I have loved the strange, the unusual, weird things. I can remember doing everything I could to stay up late to watch monster movies, to watch ghost stories, and if I went to the library, I was immediately going to the section that had the Bigfoot books and the ghost books and the Time Life Mysterious World books. My mom would kind of look at me like, hmm, I guess that's more or less harmless. But I don't think she was entirely sure. Well, like most paranormal nerds, I've lived this long without becoming an axe murderer or doing anything horribly illegal. But every day, I look around the world and I realize that I and all of humanity, I'm only seeing a part of what is there. I'm sure of this. I know I'm not seeing everything. And that's what makes me seek. That's what makes me wonder. That's what makes me explore everything that is hidden, everything that is, and everything that might be. I've made some like-minded friends through my podcast, Trailer Trash Terrors, and through being a guest on other people's podcasts, like JJ's Southern Demonology. These are people who are thinking about the things that I'm thinking about. These are people who seem to understand that, you know, no matter how hard I try, I'm never going to really understand everything. But damn it, I'll keep trying. That was where the idea of the paranormal rundown came from. Bring minds together and explore every mystery I can find. The first paranormal topic list had 105 entries. Now it's right at 1,600. 1,600 entries, all of which touch on some part of the human experience that is just a little bit outside the norm. That word para, that means around, next to, by, adjacent to. Some of them are very outside the norm. Some of them are things I've noticed, some are things I've seen. But all of them bring us closer to that understanding of the odd. The first paranormal rundown introduced the core of the show. J.J. Johnson, Dave Griffith, and myself. But now, it's time to grow. And we're growing in a direction that I find extremely exciting. We're bringing on a man of the cloth, a man of God, a man who has spent his life fighting evil, spreading the gospel, and also learning all that he can. He's a man who's raised a family, and a man who has a lot to say. He's Father Michael Birdsong. And tonight, he becomes an integral part of the Paranormal Rundown crew. Well, hello all. My name is Father Michael Birdsong. Most people just call me Father Mike. I am the pastor slash priest of uh, St. Michael and All Angels Charismatic Episcopal Church in Thomaston, Georgia. 
I have had the pleasure of being in the ministry for some 32 years now. But an interesting fact is throughout these years, I've also been operating in the office of an exorcist. That's right, an exorcist. I guess that you could say that I, throughout my life, have been sensitive to the things and the activity of the supernatural realm. And yes, I have something to say about that. It is true. And it is real. And yes, heaven and demons exist. There are things out there that want to distract us and destroy us just because of the simple fact that they don't like us. But also these things, these are actions and activity that need to be explained at times and but yet be explained properly and in order. Hollywood does not depict the true real deal, as we all know. And so that's where I come in. I've been called to be a watchman on the wall to care about the lost, least, and the lonely, to protect them and guard them from evil. And that's why I'm honored to join this great group of gentlemen like Vic, David, and JJ. And the reason why I say it's such a great honor, it's been very obvious to me in many discussions that we all have one committed goal, and that is to help those who need answers. We may be hard to follow at times, but there are times that we get actually serious. I mean, with 1,666 topics that Vic has come up with and growing every day, there are times that we do get into great, serious discussions. But I want to encourage you all, lastly, that for those of you listening, don't be afraid to reach out and contact us about certain topics. We'll we'll discuss them. We'll get into it. But I leave you with this. May the blessings of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit be always with you. And know that God's not mad at you. He's not going to leave you. He won't forsake you. Have a great day. Goodbye. May I please have your full and undivided attention. It is time for the Paranormal Rundown. Hello, this is Cedric Dankworth Smythe. I am the unexpectedly psychic butler who works with these fine gentlemen. 
You found your way to the Paranormal Rundown. That was extremely good of you. So, the Paranormal Rundown base crew is now four strong, including Dave Griffith, J.J. Johnson, Vicar Manson, and the newest member, Father Michael Birdsong. It may be reaching nerd critical mass. I wonder if that degree of nerd energy contained in one place requires some sort of special government permit. Huh. I suppose I'll have to check that out. Let's listen to Father Birdsong, because he's a great new member. He'll be helping the boys attack the new topic list, which is now 1,666 topics strong. And yes, that's a completely accidental number. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to the Paranormal, Paranormal Rundown. I am Father Mike Birdsong, and joining us today is JJ and Vic and David, and uh, they have uh, graciously accepted me as a new member, and we're looking forward to this evening and looking forward to the many topics, although we, we're not at 2,000 topics yet. But the list keeps growing, so... Uh, with that being said, let everyone hold on and let's see what the first topic is. Okay. I'm the keeper of the topics. There are 1,310 total topics that can be selected in the rundown. So let me just go ahead and hit F9 and see what comes up. One, two, three, four, five. Okay. <clears throat> Let's, let me just look at these real quickly to see if I'm needing to uh, change... Uh, actually, we've already had one of these, but we can. I'm going to read them, and you tell me if you're okay with these. Uh, number one is Gnosticism. Number two is Avatars. Number three is Teleportation of People or Objects. Number four is Fanatical Personalities. Number five is Azazel. Azazel. And number six is Cryogenically Frozen Bodies or Heads for Future Resurrection. I just got to say, what are the chances of Azazel popping up whenever Father Mike is here? What what makes you think it's random? I'm thinking it's not. (laughs) (laughs) That's my point. Those chances are pretty darn small on a list of 1,310 topics. That's true. Well, if there was ever a name that deserved to pop up more than once, that would definitely be a... So, does anybody have any uh, particular hates or likes here? Well, you, it really you doesn't matter to me. I mean, whichever whichever direction you guys want to go. What do you What do you say, JJ? I said, well, you know my like. I'm always down to talk about as a. <laughs> well, you know, well, we hit that one pretty hard last time. Yeah, I know, I know. I'm, I can't be greedy. <laughs> How about Gnosticism? That sounds like an interesting. I am one. always up for Gnosticism. Yeah. All right, JJ, then you head us off in the Gnosticism path. Sure. So Gnosticism is, and I want to stress this word extremely strongly, is a heretical Christian belief 
that started around uh, first century CE, second century CE. Uh, it is probably the, the, the vast majority of its literature uh, has been found and handed down through the collection of works found at Nag Hammadi. And it is essentially a very unique blending of Egyptian, Semitic, and Hellenic magical concepts that has been interwoven into Christianity. And the basic idea of Gnosticism is that it special knowledge is needed in order to gain access to the proper realms of heaven. So anybody can get into base heaven, but base heaven, just like a jackpot, is not really where you want to be. If you have the super secret knowledge and handshakes and rituals and whatever else may be involved, then you can start to ascend and you know exactly what to do to keep progressing into higher and higher levels of heavenly existence. Um, so with, with Gnosticism is not only the idea of magic involved in the religion, but it also defines these additional levels of heaven that aren't does, defined yeah. anywhere else. Okay. Exactly. Yes. And, uh, um, and, to, and to add on to that, one of the biggest things that make that makes Gnosticism such a heresy versus the uh, Christian quote unquote belief is uh, most of them don't believe in the incarnation of Christ. Uh, they, they, they don't believe that it was God became flesh and born. Uh, they just think he was some kind of supreme being that just existed, but has nothing to do with the, triune Godhead or, uh, like I said, the incarnation uh, born of the Virgin Mary. And so that that totally flies in the face of everything that um, uh, the Christian world believes in. Excellent point. Well, I guess going back to my high school days and studying this sort of thing, uh, the, the memories that I have are that Gnosticism views, or at least parts of it, view the physical world as fundamentally base and contaminated and evil, and the spiritual world as the only place where there can be any goodness. Mm -hmm. um, and I always wondered if you are, uh, if you're just a regular guy and you get into Walmart heaven. <laughs> what a great term walmart heaven i love it and there we have the name of the episode okay walmart heaven. right off the bat that is absolutely awesome <laughs> so if you get into walmart heaven how does your experience differ from the Saks fifth avenue heaven and of course nobody knows but hey that's what we're here, we're here for to speculate well, does Gnosticism describe these levels of heaven, or does it just give names for them? No, it, it does. It goes into great descriptions. Unfortunately, this is where my knowledge kind of tapers off. Um, I actively had professors 
almost like hunting for people that were in my program that began to show an interest in Gnosticism so they could then smack them down um, yeah. because it, it tempts away a lot of people because it, it's a fascinating subject. It absolutely is. But um, there's more than enough weirdness in Second Temple Judaism to satisfy even the most kind of power hungry that there are that there are some really odd figures in the academic world when it comes to Gnosticism. So I kind of stayed far away from that, except for studying Syriac, which is what a lot of these texts happen to be written in. And Syriac is just an amazing language. If you look at the writing system, it looks very much like um, Arabic because letters are inter interconnected and it, it's beautiful. But yeah, that's as far as I got. Well, when I was in, when I was still active in Mensa, which has been a while now, um, <clears throat> they, they had people who claimed to be modern day Gnostics. They would have the Gnostic SIG special interest group. And so Everybody got the mental newsletter and you could determine what you wanted to do and what you didn't, didn't want to do. And so I decided I would go to the Gnostic SIG. And in that particular case, uh, Gnosticism for them, them meant um, getting high. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, that's interesting. So... <laughs> So, yeah, okay. so I stuck around for a few minutes to see if they had anything they really wanted to talk about, uh, but they really didn't. I suppose that may make it easier to believe in magic. <laughs> <laughs> so, JJ, are there are there current Gnostic groups? Oh, absolutely. I mean, with like, I think that Gnosticism really kind of hit its heyday. In the advent of Mandaic, which is a separate religion, it borrows really heavily from Zoroastrianism and Christianity. It has its own, whereas Zoroastrianism probably had the most well-defined dualism, meaning that there's both uh, a god of good and a god of evil mm -hmm. that existed in the ancient world. Um, Mandaism took that to an entirely different extreme. Um, that is a fascinating subject that we really should do uh, like a full up. I'm going to do a full episode on, but um, that last time I touched that topic was, Roughly 20 years ago, and even though I've got a good memory, I don't have that good of a memory. So you might want to brush up on that. Yeah, exactly. I would dare say that uh, the Scientology religion that we have today uh, is quite similar to Gnosticism because one, one of the main focuses of Gnosticism was on the uh, – uh, they wanted to do away with ignorance – while the Christian concern was the eradication of sin. And so uh, um, I would kind of pair those two together quite similarly. That is an interesting... That is really interesting. ...observation. I actually really like that comparison. Yeah. Well, I tried one time on eBay to buy... A used e-meter. Uh, 
Really? Yes, I did. Once it got up to about 300 bucks, I decided I didn't want it that much. I can imagine. <laughs> but but I've had I've had friends who have gone through uh, the lower levels of Scientology. Uh-huh. And and they talk about, you know, hooking them up to the E meter. They've had different models, you know, the oh, old ones. Yeah, yeah. You I, know, the old ones have the the copper handles and the new ones are, you know, prettier things. Uh all of them still say something like uh Hubbard model 2316. Right. <laughs> you know, or something <laughs> like that. <laughs> but but really that is saying that if you can meet the criterion that this earthly group has put together um, and make the E-meter think that you really have the stuff and you're thate and clear, then you're ready to go. Mm-hmm. So how did they determine in the old days prior to E-meters who, <laughs> who, who, <laughs> who had the mojo and who didn't have the mojo? <laughs> Well, I would, I, I would, I would dare go ahead and say now the 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 mojo that Scientology has when they hook you up to that thing is money, uh, money and BS. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I would agree. I I just thought it'd be fun to have a an e meter, you know. People, <laughs> <laughs> you know, people come over and oh, what's that? No, that's my e meter. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, if you don't measure up when I hook you up, you need to join us and give us all your money, and we're going to haunt you the rest of your life. And you know, okay, okay, okay. So, so let me get this straight. There is a device, yes. technical device in Scientology mm-hmm. that you hook up to someone that will show. I'm guessing your progress in the levels of ascension in your ability. Towards what do they call it? Clear is that when you get yes, to the- but but yeah. getting but getting clear is actually ridding your soul, your consciousness, your body, your being, your essence of the thetans. Okay, these are uh, if, if I'm wrong on any of this, you know, just 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 tell me. But no, you're you are you you are totally right. <laughs> you know, and these are the the evil alien influences exactly the parasites that are attached to. Every human being. And as long as we have Thetan parasitical freeloaders, we're not able to uh, be fully human. We're not able to reach our potential. And the way that you get rid of your Thetans is you hook up to an e-meter and you listen to questions from senior Scientologists and you you pay them. Exactly. So it's, it's kind of like getting your check engine light turned off. You've got to... <laughs> Okay, yeah. but but you're the, telling me this device supposedly shows that progress. The it's device gal- doesn't show anything. The device it, is fake. It's a galvanic skin response. I've actually used one, and you from another weirdo who had bought one. He had the kind that had big, thick brass or copper handles, <clears throat> and if you hold the copper handles when your hands are just a tiny bit sweaty, you can squeeze. And that'll put more skin in contact with the meter, and it'll go up. Then you let go, and it'll come down. I, I'm pretty sure that if you worked at it a while, you could probably make the meter move just by changing your emotional state a little bit. Think about it this way: okay, it's the it's it's uh the same difference of uh holding 
the ends of a of a voltage meter. Mm-hmm. Every human being is going to measure something, mm-hmm. and then and then and then they're going to tell you you don't measure up enough, so you need to be clear, and that your mind needs to be removed. Scientology is 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 you know, Scripture tells us that there's nothing new under the sun, so. Scientology is basically a runoff of the, what I would say, the ancient Arianism. <clears throat> I'll have to. To where, I mean, Arianism was, uh, it's, it's all about the mind. It's all about the knowledge and becoming your best self. And uh, Ron Hubbard just took off on that and. Yeah, I was just trying to figure out how this device would actually oh, yeah. register it. And I mean, you wouldn't want something where, you know, you've paid $10 million at some point and they're going to say, okay, now you're going to get to clear and the device is a bomb and it shows you're back at a newbie, right? Exactly. <laughs> so, so there's either got to be some way to manipulate the device that they teach you ahead of time. Or they've got to say that, oh, well, we'll read it for you. You don't need to read it yourself. We'll interpret what it says. Exactly. To get around it. That's exactly right. Well, I don't plan to be – well, I don't think I'll ever try to buy another e-meter, although they're out there. I mean, you you can find them Uh, on eBay. I don't really know anybody would want one, and I'm certainly not going through Scientology. Well, I'm going to have to look at one online so that, you know, I go to a lot of yard sales and thrift stores. You never know what shows up in those places. That'd be really cool. I could get it for you for like five bucks. <laughs> that that uh, machine kind of reminds me of uh, uh, the old Dragon Ball Z scanner that they wore. He's at level 2000. <laughs> this was this is something where before they went Super Saiyan or? Yeah. Oh yeah, power level. It's power, power level, level yeah. nine thousand. All right, now this is look. I'm I'm telling you guys, this one has worked perfectly. I mean, this is absolutely gold. Paranormal rundown. We started. <laughs> we started with with Gnosticism, and now we're talking about Goku, Dragon Ball Z. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know me. Don't get me started on anime. I can go on for years. Oh, you and Josh both. Well, I can <clears> – my kids used to watch uh, Dragon Ball, Dragon Ball Z, I guess. I don't know. <clears throat> and I, I kind of got to where I knew some of the characters and kind of enjoyed it. Uh-huh. The thing I thought was funny was every episode was about, oh, maybe two minutes of people fighting and actual dialogue. And the rest of the episode was people floating around in the air looking mean at each other. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well, the thing is for me is that I – I would look for ways to relax after graduate school classes. Yes, I can see that. So I would come back at the end of the day and our apartment complex, it uh, or dorm complex, it had one TV room and Mm -hmm. luckily very few people ever Mm -hmm. used it. And so I was able to go in there right after classes and watch Toonami, and the two I would always watch would be <coughs> Dragon Ball Z and Gundam Wing. And Dragon Ball Z was fine, but it was really Gundam Wing that drew me in because 
they had such strong reactions to things that were completely alien to me. Like, why would someone react like this? Why would they act like this? And that actually started me on my journey of learning more and more about the Japanese language and culture. And um, so really, I mean, that was as big of a momentous occasion for me educationally as my graduate school courses were, believe it or not. JJ, you just became Josh's hero. (laughs) (laughs) And I I still love Gundam. I actually play Mobile Suit Gundam Battle Operation 2 almost every single day, and it's just just a thing of beauty. (laughs) Well, I can't match that, but there were days when I would come home from school, and the way that I would relax and get away from things was to watch Ultraman. Oh, man, oh, I remember Ultraman. Yeah. <laughs> That's old good that. stuff right there, buddy. Have y'all seen the Shen Ultraman? No. It's, this yeah. is new stuff, right? Yeah. Uh, it started off with Shin Godzilla uh, and then Shin Ultraman, and then it went to Shin Kamen Rider, and there's going to be actually a new... Godzilla coming out called Godzilla minus one in Japan at the end of the year. But oh man, yeah, I saw that trailer out on Discord that you posted. Yeah, it it looks amazing. But all of the shins are phenomenal because they combined old school aesthetics with modern geopolitical intrigue, and they're amazing. They really are. If you have not seen them, I highly recommend it. Okay, gentlemen, do we, uh, are there other things we want to talk about concerning Gnosticism? I, I think we pretty much covered it. I mean, unless somebody's got any other kind of questions or. Well, I would be curious, and, and we don't have to go into it if we don't want, but uh, what they consider magic. That's a good so, question. So what what is <clears throat> Gnostic magic in terms of, you know, Christianity? It was a couple of things. It was rituals, which I strongly suspect actually kind of formed the basis of a lot of medieval grimoires that you would find uh, in Europe, because the most of them actually typically require 48 to 72 hours of intense purification of the soul before you would ever attempt to, you know, enact one of the spells, whether it is to, you know, uh, turn your, uh, your thumbnail into a remote viewing device or to be able to conjure up an illusionary feast uh, for 24 hours, whatever the spells may be. Uh, But it was usually a mixture of secret knowledge and rituals that would be performed uh, by a community. And, and, I, and I will put all that in layman's terms. Uh, when it comes to uh, the Gnostic magic, it all has to do with uh, chaos. And uh, you have to, you are making yourself go into an altered state of mind. And, uh, and, and then that's when you get the power to, change things or do whatever 
So just just think about being in the '60s and taking the LSD trip, and then you're into uh, the Gnostic chaos magic. Okay, so the goal of Gnosticism magic or Gnostic magic is not necessarily enlightenment or enhanced Christian uh, knowledge. It is just worldly things. It, it, it was primarily uh, around knowing the the secret signs and signals that exactly. would be needed to to act to ascend into higher and higher levels of heaven. Um, whether other more practical aspects to it, I I honestly don't know. Okay, well, isn't the the Gospel of Thomas kind of considered a Gnostic work? Uh, yes, yes, it is. Well, it I'm is just, a Gnostic gospel, but I mean, it's it's of course not part of the no, it's, 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 it's not part of the canon, right? Uh, I was I was actually listening to another podcast today, uh, cultish. Have uh-huh. you ever listened to that one? No, sir. Um, I got there from from another podcast. Anyway, it was the first time I had listened to them, and it was funny. This had just popped up, and they said that the Gospel of Peter was uh specifically talking about the gospel of peter uh around the idea that christ was not human did yes. not become man right and so they they used that test against it and said well because of that then it's not part of canon um so i don't know if there was anything else i haven't read the gospel of peter uh but i don't know if there's anything else in there around gnostic but i know that that was mentioned so this isn't uh, – I'll just say this, and then I can shut up. Uh, it's not a Gnostic text, but one of the more non-accepted but absolutely just fascinating um, texts that you can read out there. It is, is a great – Yeah. Which book was that? The Pseudo-Dionysus. Pseudo-Dionysus. Okay. Can yeah. you – Give us the one-minute rundown of that. No, I cannot. I would have to go back and refresh. But it has some of the more interesting, because it's firmly Greek logic-based, but yet it takes itself into very suspect areas of thought, where which quickly made it roll to be heretical in nature. But it is an absolutely phenomenal book. I will do some research on that one. Yeah. And 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 also when it comes to the uh to the gnostic magic uh not only is about uh the 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 chaos and getting to a altered state of mind but it, it is it is also very much rooted into a sexual point of view to where you're feeling more of an ecstasy type deal and uh just losing your state of mind of that being and going to a, a static realm, in other words. So not not involving sex, but oh, having yes. that oh, oh involving sex. Okay. Oh yes. Yes. So sex became part of the of the ritual? Yes. Okay. And sexual arousal. Yeah. And then it then mm-hmm. it just led from there. That could be a an effective recruiting tool. So <laughs> now you know why people say they're they're 
Gnostics because they they won't have sex. Let me read you the. Does anybody mind if I read the first few paragraphs of the Gospel of Thomas? Go for it. It's good. They're kind of interesting. Uh, these are the secret sayings that the living Jesus spoke mm-hmm. and Didymos Judas Thomas recorded. Who's Didymos Judas Thomas? Excuse me? It, it says, this, and Didymos Judas Thomas recorded. I've never heard that before. Who is Didymos Judas Thomas? Hello. This is Avalon Leanne Dankworth Smythe. It is part of my contract that I get to announce my full name on any episode in which I appear. It is astounding that the gang of nerds, now four strong, so often fails to bring up truly interesting topics of conversation. For instance, within certain Gnostic groups, there was, and is, a tradition that Didymos Judas Thomas was actually the twin brother of Jesus of Nazareth. This tradition further argues that it was actually Didymos Judas Thomas who was seen after the supposed resurrection, and not Christ. This amazing contention should be added to the paranormal rundown list. If you don't know, that's that you're in the same boat as I am. You just but, went over my head. I've, I've never really paid that attention, but it, it, that one, that one and he skips me. And he said, whoever discovers the interpretation of these sayings will not taste death, as opposed to... Whoever believeth in me shall not taste taste death. Jesus said, those who seek should not stop seeking until they find. When they find, they will be disturbed. When they are disturbed, they will marvel and will reign over all. And after they have reigned, they will rest. Anyway, it just goes on like, so the whole book is, the whole thing looks to me to be kind of uh, hermetic sayings of of Jesus. Well, yes, uh, uh, and also there is the infancy gospels of Thomas, but uh, the the part that you just read, have mm-hmm. you guys ever seen the movie Stigmata? Yes, a uh, long time ago. Great movie. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Sorry, JJ. Uh, a, a, lot, a lot of that movie went around the gospel of Thomas and the okay. sayings that the church wanted to keep out, but th- th- that's neither here nor there. We'll be, we, but when you started reading it, that movie just popped into my mind. I enjoyed the movie before I did any biblical research. So you have I to cut me some slack, JJ. No, oh, no, no, no. <laughs> if you like it, you like it. That's fine. The The problem I had with it, it's the exact same problem that I had with the movie Dogma. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It oh, my God. It was terrible. To leverage complaints against religion yeah. while trying to be um, by saying, oh, no, you know, it's a joke or, oh, we're just providing an outside view. So it attempts to exempt itself from criticism while leveraging heavy criticism at the same time. And that kind of stuff just does not work. You cannot get involved in a conversation and yet pretend like, oh, but, you know, we're, we're just here not to not to cause fights. Exactly. Exactly right. But hey, uh, uh, JJ, uh, I hate to take this in a total different direction. Why? Uh, but uh, how do you like the movie Nefarious? Oh, boy. That was probably... One of the, it is the best movie I have ever seen on the subject of demonic possession. Best, what, yep, I knew you would like it. 
I, I did not just love it. I mean, like I, I fell in love with that movie. There are quite a few things wrong with it. And I, I did kind of at the, the very end of my season three finale, uh, after our interview, I uh, did do an entire kind of breakdown. And I do think it introduces some very problematic viewpoints mm-hmm. that could be taken the wrong way. Yeah. And I think that's when I'm going to start season four off on that one. But awesome. no, I'm so glad that you told me about that movie because I actually, right after our conversation, I went and watched it with my wife that night and it has lived rent free in my head ever since. Well, there, there's very seldom times that I would ever recommend a movie. Uh, but when I saw it, I mean, just because of my own background, I'm like, that was the most realistic movie I've ever seen. Well, the one thing that it did that immediately caught my admiration is, and I have said this numerous times on Southern Demonology, if you're dealing with a demonic possession, you don't need a side story. No. You don't need complex character development because everything else that's involved doesn't matter if it's the life of the priest the life of the person right what affairs they've had whatever it may be nothing is as important or just awe-inspiring than the fact that you have an otherworldly thing inhabiting another person that is going to wreck as much chaos as humanly possible so this was my only problem with it first of all i love the movie personally but I watched it with my family, and ah. most of them were really bored by the end of the movie. Really? And, wow. And, well, and that was not all, but most. And that was because I found all of the things in the debate back and forth interesting because of the research I do, the experience I've had. Yes. They did not, not to the degree that I did. And so I felt that it needed to step out of that room every now and then just for – not for changing the main plot, but just for some experience other than in the room. And it was – so they didn't find it as exciting. But uh, Well, well, I can can understand that too. I mean – uh, I thought the movie was great as well, but if, if if that's something that you're not into, I totally I totally get that. But one of but one of the things that uh, stuck out to me the most was it showed the it showed the supernatural knowledge of oh, yes. the demonic, and right. uh, I mean that is that that is a very key point. And if you never experienced that, you wouldn't know. But it, I mean, in thirty years of my experience, it 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 nailed it just about. I'm gonna say ninety percent. In that you've experienced supernatural yeah. knowledge that this individual oh, yeah. just could I not mean, have. Oh yeah, I mean, I mean, especially especially when you're in the midst of an exorcism, mm-hmm. uh, if the demon manifests itself, mm-hmm. it, it'll. It'll it'll try to bring up some of your past and 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 
try to discredit you and but you just have to leave it alone but see that's that's why uh he brought up the point today you're going to kill three people and so that supernatural knowledge i mean that just proved to to any exorcist hey th- this guy is demon possessed and uh uh it was right on. I'm the only one of the group who hasn't seen the movie, and I don't Watch care about it. I don't care about spoilers. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> I, I'm as happy watching a movie that people have told me all about as I am never having heard about it. But oh, I think you'll like it. I, and and like I say, I enjoyed it. It's almost like um, watching an intellectual play, right? Yeah, going to the theater. Um, where it's Waiting dialogue for back and forth, you know, it's not, uh-huh. it's not about the special effects or the story or, you know, it's about the discussion. And that's what this was like for the majority of the movie. It was and almost like, it was almost like Lewis's, uh, screw tape letters. Screw tape letters. Yeah. I've heard, I've heard several people say that. Yep. It is. I have too. It was quite yeah, good. It, it is. It's, uh. It's my dinner with Andre, but with demonic possession. With the demonic passion. Okay. Well, that's a movie I've got to watch, and I think we should probably do a, I don't know, maybe a review episode about that or something. When he said, look, since I don't care about spoilers, uh, when he said, you're going to kill three people today, what did he mean? That was bullshit, by the way. Okay. <laughs> don't hold back, JJ. Just let us know, okay? Uh, <laughs> oh, I don't mean to be so vegan. Well, that's okay. I mean, uh, one of them he didn't even kill that day, the first one. And I'm just like, what the hell? He's talking about something that happened years ago, and yeah. he just now realizes the fact. And I, I'm like, no, that's not the same thing as killing someone. I, I'm really sorry, but. <laughs> hey, JJ. Tell us how you really felt about that. Uh, you know me. You know, I'm always so quiet. And always reserved. difficult to know how JJ feels about anything. Really, <laughs> really makes us guess at it. Even multiple different ways. <laughs> JJ the inscrutable. Uh, <laughs> all right. I'm going to say I think we've done enough on that. And that was a very good conversation. And I'm going to hit the F9 key again. Okay, this isn't too bad. Uh, number one, G.I. Gurdjieff, Meetings with Remarkable Men. Number two, The Dogon and the Serious Mystery. Number three, The Great Old Ones. Number four, Walk-Ins. Number five, Orgone Energy and Wilhelm Reich. Number five, Obviously, Big Hamanson is also integer sequence challenged. Ubies or out of body experiences and oh. astral projection. Oh, that's a pretty well, good list, I'd say. Well, you know, uh, I'm I'm going to have to throw my weight behind the great old ones, but I will let y'all take first pick. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, let's go for it. I, I I don't know a great deal about the great old ones. But that has never stopped me from talking before, so let's talk about the great old ones. Okay. That, dear listeners, is the beatific sound of utter joy and excitement made by a great southern, pitied and quested uber nerd, upon realizing that he has just stumbled upon the nerd promised land, filled with milk, 
honey, hot pockets, video games, and all you can consume HP Lovecraft. So, uh, earliest mention of this that I am aware of is uh, HP Lovecraft with Cthulhu. And the basic idea is that there are entities out there that are uncaring, vast, so much greater than anything else that we could ever comprehend. And sometimes absolutely malicious toward us, but usually we're just so tiny, we matter nothing whatsoever. And that is where the horror comes from. I mean, Lovecraft, for as racist as he was, and I'm not putting any kind of apology on that, I still am absolutely fascinated by his works. Uh, I would, his writings. I would right there with you. read them to my daughters, uh, to my son. Uh, I read them myself. I absolutely love them. They And the interesting thing about Lovecraft's writing, you may not have even realized it, is that the man did not do dialogue at all. There might be one or two lines of dialogue. The rest of it is just pure descriptions. And they are amazing. But this idea that there is, there are these entities out there and people have been worshiping them from time immemorial. There are yeah. artifacts out there which are handed down from them that can be found and that corrupt anything that they touch. Just the sheer environment is corrupted just based upon what they are and uh, the madness that they inspire just by the, the, the tiniest little touch. And in fact, you still find constant reference to these, even if, if you're an avid D, uh, D&D player and you happen to play a warlock, you have great old ones as a possible Patreon. And uh, it's just, oh gosh, it, nothing sparks as much imagination as Cthulhu and the other host of great old ones that exist out in the world. I, I love them to death. Well, JJ, you just became Josh's hero once again. <laughs> uh, I know we have had a few conversations about warlocks. So. Well, I got a question for you, and I, I and I and I hope I throw in a little uh, tumbling block here. So, who would win, Zeus or Cthulhu? Uh, Cthulhu, definitely. Cthulhu is greater than any mortal god. Yeah. I, I, I don't even... Uh, hold on one second. While JJ is clearing the jewel from his microphone, let's talk about a few other fictional one-on-one -on -one battles. In fact, these are the top 10 desired fictional battles according to a Reddit survey. The Flash vs. Quicksilver. Kevin McAllister vs. Sherlock Holmes. Neo versus John Wick. Luke Skywalker versus Andrew Detmer. Wonder Woman versus Black Widow. A Xenomorph Alien versus Darth Vader. Gandalf versus Dumbledore. Batman versus The Mandalorian. Homelander versus Naruto. And of course, the ultimate fantasy battle, Goku versus Superman. Here's a hint, Superman can sun dip, Goku can't. 
I have heard that Vic Hermanson is holding out for the Easter Bunny, who knows karate, versus Scooby-Doo. Well, I'm going to throw in a few little thoughts I forgot, because I'm not an expert in this area at all. But uh, Lovecraft was one of the main ghostwriters for Harry Houdini. Wow. For books that Harry Houdini would write. And Houdini was brilliant. He uh, was always angry that he never went to college and got degrees. But his study of things was rabbinical in, it, in its depth. Um, <clears throat> my favorite thing in the whole great old one's myth was always Azazoff, which as far as I can see is just the, they called it the idiot God, the sleeping God. Huh. And and all of reality comes from the fact that he is sleeping and dreaming reality. Yep. And I suppose it's a really bad day when Azazoth wakes up. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. That is very true. But uh, this is what I was looking for. <laughs> My favorite quote, the end all quotes, Fenglui uh, Mglodnoff. Cthulhu Elia Wagad Nagel Fatagan. I can understand why you Are like you that so much. JJ, of course, speaks Cthulhu language with a Tennessee accent. Let me see if I can make it just a wee bit clearer. Finglui, Megwanafa, Cthulhu, Elia Wagad Nagel Fatagan. Well, I'm not a cultist either, but at least I have a very, very genteel British accent. But uh, in, the, in his house at Raelia, Dad Cthulhu waits dreaming. Okay. Oh, I get shivers just saying that. I love it. <laughs> well, well, now let me ask. So, so you put this in as a topic for for the rundown, Vic. Is there a bleed into reality where people believe this is a real thing now? Yes. Oh, almost certainly. I mean, just anything that's ever been written fictionally, some people will take and elevate it to something that they consider to be real. Oh, God, yeah. Black-Eyed Children mm-hmm. was a really poor attempt at creepypasta back in, the, what, the 80s? Mm-hmm. And now you've got... Tons of people making mock YouTube videos of, oh, my God, my house is infested by black-eyed children. Oh. It, <laughs> is black-eyed children something that came? <laughs> did, did, did that arise from the whole Lovecraftian world, or was that just no, something? No, it did not. This came from a guy who claimed that he was almost carjacked by these children that had mm-hmm. – completely black eyes yeah he was uh depositing a check at a bank or something in exactly. texas i think yeah yeah and now they've taken on an entire life of their own well i'll tell you though though jj i mean there is a kind of power in those stories so for instance um a few weeks back for some reason i got a knock on my door at about ten thirty p.m now I don't normally get knocks on my door at 10.30 p.m. And I go to the door, and it's the police. Uh, They were not there for me. They were there because a neighbor of mine had become very sick and wanted me to do some things, and they were delivering a message. But I remember my mind immediately shifting to, okay, don't let them in. 
if there are black eyed kids out there, don't don't let them in. Tell tell them, nope, you're not coming in. <laughs> oh, no, you're absolutely right. These <laughs> these creepy pastas have taken on an entire life of their own. For example, the what Slender Man. Yeah. You've got 16-year-old girls who tried to kill their friend because right. they you know, wanted to worship Slender Man. I don't think they were even quite that old. I think they were more 12, 13. Oh, okay. Uh, I'm misremembering a lot. But I mean, and that's one of – and creepypastas, they are extremely appealing. Like I just got through watching a series of TikTok shorts where someone was reading accounts of um, – a guy's wife is grinning at him at odd angles. And another one that was all about these midnight um, clown, uh, midnight ice cream trucks. Yeah. And they're fascinating. I mean, they give you chills. They're, that's what they're intended to do, even though they're normally the most poorly written things in the entire universe. But, yeah, okay, now I mean, wait a second. Explain the midnight ice cream truck for me, because that, that is my weakness. It was they say that there are these ice cream trucks that you can hear uh, going around in the very dead of night, and there's been several missing um, person cases associated with those that have heard the sound, and they ran across the supposed message board where they had a snippet of the song and the person um, heard it and they actually played a, a strange snippet. It was really chaotic, but they said that it would just worm its way into your brain and you would start to hear it at odd times. Like you would hear a snippet of a radio song and then suddenly you'd be hearing this jingle playing. Uh, to, and it just keeps progressing. But, yeah, I mean, creepypastas, they're fascinating. But I also, I'm a rather fearful of the mania that they can cause, if that makes any sense. No, yeah. it, makes perfect, it makes perfect sense. Yeah. I mean, especially younger people. They well, can utterly become emotionally and mentally dominated by these things. Yes. Well, especially with, the, you know, the rise of TikTok. I mean, these things get just spammed out on TikTok, and I mean, it is incredible how influenceable these young kids are by the videos they're watching out there. Well, kids have always been that easily influenced. They just have more things to influence them now. Yeah, but they they didn't have they didn't have a a, a method to influence them correct like that. Right, it's, so you, that's you been can weaponized. influence no, them with books, did that. right? But you, you know, now with the internet, like we didn't have anything like that when we were growing up. So, yeah, we were influenceable, but the you know the the methods weren't like that. Well, when I was growing up, when I was a kid in Louisville, <clears throat> I sought out everything I could possibly find in the weird, creepy, paranormal, paranormal, supernatural category. And there wasn't much. Yeah. Uh, I would get everything that the school library had, everything the local library had, look at yard sales and try to find things. But within, you know, a year or two, I'd probably read everything that was easily available to me. My mom got me the 
Time Life mm. books about everything from astral projection to dragons <laughs> to whatever it was. And I still and I actually still have every single one of those that I got. Every few months that was like my highlight of the year. But yeah, I mean but really Creepypasta kind of got its start on Reddit and it spread all of this stuff. And really like even though I'm a big user of TikTok now and I never would have thought I would say that ever, but I am funny. Uh, and I, you know, I put out my videos, which are all paranormal related. You still don't like, even if you specifically start such searching for this stuff, the algorithm doesn't, it doesn't really shove this stuff in your face all that much. Uh, it's much more, storytelling or just really bad video quality memes. So you have to people really dancing. kind of like look for this stuff, or at least that's been my, um, my experience at least. One of the craziest things that, that I remember on TikTok and, and even YouTube that went crazy for a while was uh, I think it originated from Japan. I, I may be wrong, but uh, uh, Momo and and kids were watching this Momo video of this character telling kids to kill their parents, and uh, it went it crazy there for a while. Oh yeah, Momo, you're right. It, it not from not Momo the. Missouri Bigfoot. This is something. Some other moment. No, this no, is this, this is, is some kind Momo. of. It's almost like a chicken-faced demon. Yeah. And he was telling kids to kill their parents. Yeah, to, uh, he he was telling kids to kill their parents and then killing themselves, and then all of a sudden we had a rash thing for a little while that kids were killing their parents and killing themselves. So there was an actual real-world man- manifestation of that. Oh yes. Hmm. Well, and you you find out like uh, Momo is definitely one of these creepy pastas that were kind of brought to life. Same thing with the the supposed demon of the Ouija board, which is also fabricated BS. But yes, you'll find people chasing clout and ah. pumping out tons of videos of Oh yeah, if I ever say that name, then my house is you know won't be settled for months like yeah whatever <laughs> it's it's a it's a it's a it's a kind of like <laughs> what jj just said just reminds me of the old uh i think it was back in the early 80s where everybody was trying to stand in front of the mirror and say bloody mary three times and see what happens i remember that i have <laughs> done that quite a few times <laughs> <laughs> I can neither confirm nor deny. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh, Bell, uh, well, we would do, uh, really, we did the Bell Witch because I grew up 30 minutes away from the Bell Witch. Yeah, you're real close to the Bell Witch, so. yeah. So can I go back to Cthulhu a little bit or to Lovecraft a little bit or the yeah, great old ones? Okay, so uh, what's the word for something made real from fantasy gotta be a Tal- word for- uh, well yeah, in, i mean you can you can say tulpa in, in supernatural they have tulpas right yeah in supernatural <laughs> they have tulpas i'm thinking there's a, a, a some kind of philosophical word for that but i don't know it 
Now, I was going to say delusions of grandeur. Delusions of grandeur. So there are all these cryptid sightings. If in, you put out a story, and sooner or later, people will be seeing those things. It doesn't really oh, matter. It doesn't matter what it is. Somebody will be seeing these things and reporting it. Are there any cryptid great old one sightings? Not that I'm aware no. of. The, the biggest kind of craze that... I know of is a guy who was up in Canada who claimed to have seen giants on top of a mountain when it was just um, uh, uh, um, like a weather station. Broadcast tower or weather tower or something. Yeah, Yeah. something Mm -hmm. like that. And even though he came out and said, no, 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 you know, I was just making it all up. uh, People will believe anything. Yeah, and honestly, I can't. Yeah, I won't say all things about the dead, but well, neither neither will I. It's it's just the once again, these stories have an incredible amount of power. Well, and and and, and part of it is is that you believe that uh, people are always searching for something that is going to differentiate themselves, or especially something that's going to make them feel special. Exactly. And if you believe that you are part of the super secret world where you only you have the insight to realize that you have this special knowledge, that has a lot of allure to it. Okay, but let's take the cryptid example. So you also have cases where somebody coming out and telling their story and it making the news makes it easier for somebody else to tell their story. They had it before, they had the experience, but they never told their story because they were afraid that it wouldn't be accepted. So uh, there's that too. And I think you see that a lot with the UFO phenomenon. Oh, especially now that it's been gaining so much traction. Although that most recent paper by Ari Loeb is probably the most rushed piece of BS that I think I have read in a very long time. <laughs> but uh, but no, I, I would agree with that. But the sad part is, is that for every honest account that is brought up, you'll have at least 10 charlatans looking to capitalize on either a little bit of attention or a little bit of money. True. In some cases. I don't know. I don't know. It, well, I guess it depends on the 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 issue. So like you take the 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 paranormal, the ghost and spirit haunting type of, of phenomena. I, I think that people have been experiencing those things for years and they just kept quiet on it. Now, are there bad actors out there that want to, you know, make a dime on it and become oh, famous for it? Yeah, absolutely. But I think there's a lot of people out there that it was just, you know, that was something you don't talk about. And that's yeah. true. And honestly, there's a lot of internal policing in the paranormal investigator space, which I thoroughly appreciate. Uh, but I think that's kind of an exception, though. I well, wish it I think wasn't. it's it's better now, right? I think uh, it hit its peak, right? And then it became sort of normalized, and now there's not as 
you're not going to come out with a ghost story today and get rich off of it. Those days have passed. Uh, you know, ghost hunters hit its peak and ghost adventures and all that. It's become much more normalized. So you don't, I don't think you see as many people out to make a buck on it. True. Well, the only, the only, the only problem that I have with the ghost hunters and, uh, what was the other one you mentioned? Ghost Adventures. Ghost Adventures. Yeah. It, I think there's so much misinformation there and so <clears> much <throat> Hollywood drama that it paints a picture of the wrong idea for everyone. And then people go off and do it on their own and they're ignorant. And then they run into demons and they have a bad day. Well, and I can tell you that the, you know, to JJ's point, the self-policing, there's people who investigate this stuff seriously. They get frustrated watching those shows. I mean, I'm we sure. still watch it <laughs> because we're suckers oh, yeah, for we a, a, a good experience. I mean, <laughs> but, but at the same time, it's like, you know, we all know it's not like that. Uh, right. The, the drama in most cases, although you do get investigators that, get overly hyped up about stuff, but they don't typically last long. Um, so yeah, but to your point, you do eventually run into a bad day. Did you mention Avi Loeb? Uh, Ari Loeb. He, he's the Harvard astrophysicist who is right, the alien, alien metal spheres. Yeah. He's the one who first hypothesized that Oumuamua, was uh, an alien craft and now he's just he essentially he rushed out a non-peer-reviewed paper uh around the metal sphere uh harvesting an investigation that came from an asteroid around papua new guinea mm-hmm. yeah i was aware of that i was just trying to tie him into the conversation we were having so what did he write that was so objectionable, JJ? It's not that it's objectionable. So essentially, they um, they co- tracked the progress of the meteorite. They then used a, a heavy magnet to drag the seafloor, <laughs> and they recovered certain metal sphericals in which they then analyzed. And... They did find that a lot of the, so he claims, a lot of the elements that you found in these uh, sphericals were not typical of what you would find of uh, objects from our solar system. And then he, of course, had to throw in a very uh, last-minute detail of, oh, you know, these could, he gave several things of what this could come from, but then he had to throw in, oh, but it could also be alien intelligence that created these things. And uh, that's okay. the part that, you know, if this, because, A, there's no definitive evidence that these things even came from the meteorite, uh, although he tries to throw a lot of mumbo jumbo in to make it sound that way. And, B, the biggest problem is, is that he is now known as the alien enthusiast. And I believe that there are absolutely valid use cases for studying the possibility of alien existence. 
Um, in fact, people in academia before now, if they even broached the subject, then they would be almost ostracized from the ivory tower. And I don't think mm-hmm. that is a, a useful thing whatsoever. But this man is, uh, I think this is the academic version of clout chasing. And uh, I don't really see a lot of vigor put into the stuff that he's throwing out there, especially as he was trying to essentially capitalize on the, um, the, the, the congressional hearings around the possible existence of alien craft, et cetera. Right. right. He was hitting when the iron was hot. Yes. He reminds me of the guy that, uh, that created the whole new age movement. Who was that? That, had, that, uh, that uh, you had to wear this crystal around your neck so that when the great spaceship comes down, you'll be on it. Mm. <clears throat> well, I remember, who was the guy who, Heaven's Gate cult? What was that guy's name? Oh, gosh. Apple something? or um, I forget. It's been so long ago. That is a heartbreaking story. I've, I've watched documentaries on that. And, Applewhite was his name. So <clears throat> that's a new that's a new topic. Shall I do an F nine again? Sure. Yes. Sounds good. Okay. Here we go. Okay. Just to let everybody know we've been going about uh, a little over an hour. This has gone good. This has gone well. Yeah. Okay, F9, one, two, three, four, five. Huh, okay. <laughs> Denver Airport. <laughs> Simpsons predictions. Mandalas. Uh, JJ, horror films, good and bad. Oh, yes. Uh, <laughs> five, um, the Ansible, the implications thereof. And six unusual religions, Haitian Haitian voodoo. Haitian voodoo. Wow. Okay. So I can talk about the Denver Airport. I can talk about Haitian voodoo. And that's about, I think you've tapped out. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know about horror films, good and bad. You're not going to go for horror films, good and bad. Good and bad, yeah. Yes, you can, you can certainly talk about that. Absolutely. Well, but I've been dominating the initial conversations. I'll let y'all choose and I'll pipe in whenever. Well, well, you have to make up for an episode because you didn't have as much to say in when the last one's re-recorded. So that is that, that is, is very that true. is true. I, I can I'll start somewhere. I, look, we can mix and match these things all we wish. I mean, we make the rules. Um, the I can remember doing some work in Wheat Ridge. Colorado, uh, one of the first hospitals that I ever worked on in, in Colorado. And I remember flying into the Denver airport, and this must have been, oh, man, 1998, 1997, 2000, somewhere in there. And walking through that airport, because I was in no hurry, I was in town the night before, I had to get to my hotel, had to go rent a car, but just finding myself with no prior knowledge at all, walking around looking at these artworks, at these paintings they had up there, and just thinking to myself, damn, these are weird. I've never seen anything like this at an airport anywhere. Uh, 
I mean, what do you normally see in airports? You normally see local art, you know, like uh, something that done by the local high school kids or some kind, some kind of local art installation or things about airplanes. It's all very, very benign, very, very uh, non-confrontational kind of stuff. Not this stuff. I mean, I, the one that I remember the most has since been removed, but it was, uh, it was about an eight by eight painting, eight foot by eight foot of gas-masked Nazi-looking soldiers holding futuristic-looking AK-47-type guns and dead children all around. What? Yes, dead children all around. Look, I, I guarantee you can look it up. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, just just go to, you know, go look up Denver Airport Nazi painting. I'm sure that'll bring it up. But I just remember thinking, that is just... Bizarre. I can't. I can't imagine. I mean, first off, let's say that um, you know some uh, uh, a Holocaust survivor were walking through there and saw this painting. I'm sure it would be emotionally triggering. I think many children would find it frightening. I think many grandmothers would find it frightening. I didn't find it frightening. I just found it bizarre. Um, so well, that and the statue of the. Gargoyle, the giant blue stallion, giant blue stallion out there. Mm-hmm. Well, what about the uh, the the gargoyle and and uh, everyone saying welcome to the Illuminati headquarters? I don't know about that. Oh yeah, that. <clears throat> uh, oh, it was recent, probably back in 2019, maybe. Mm-hmm. And uh, a, a big a big conspiracy theory went around and. Uh, Every, everyone started saying that that's that was the Illuminati headquarters, and and a lot of people took offense to uh, something about a gargoyle, and uh, but it was replaced. It was a statue, but they replaced it, and uh, but it was it, it was actually a gargoyle sitting on top of luggage, and oh boy, all yeah, the, mm-hmm. all the crazy people went crazy on it, and. Oh, it's Satan and this and that and the other, and it's the Illuminati headquarters, and uh, <laughs> it was crazy. Well, I, I, it seemed to me that those artworks in the Denver airport, and they were they were there. I saw them prior uh-huh. to ever hearing anything about the controversy. Oh yeah, it, it, it was a big stink. <clears throat> Somebody made a decision to put those put those in that airport. And the question I have is, is why? Who knows? Why would you want to make your traveling public uncomfortable? I agree there. Yeah. Well, I I know that there have been multiple conspiracy theories. You may call them uh, about there being, bases or a base under Denver airport. Sure. Um, You know, from it to being a military base, from it being a secret organization base, maybe that's where we meet with the, uh, you know, the aliens from another galaxy. I don't know. (laughs) Um, You know, or if you listen to coast to coast AM, it's probably the beginning of the hollow earth. Yeah, it could, it could be, right? Got to have an entry somewhere. Come on. I mean, I mean, uh, the land of the lost. Yeah. <laughs> That's where the lizard people come out. Yeah, exactly. And, and, yeah. The sleestacks. 
<laughs> well, those sleeve stacks make really good luggage handlers, you know. Yeah. So, <laughs> so, so maybe that is the interstellar decisions for artwork. You know, from from the from the aliens, they're you know they're more comfortable with that. I don't know. But I looked up this painting you're talking about, and that is one freaky looking painting. Is that freaky or what? Yeah. Well, look, well, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not a big, it. I'm not a big Illuminati guy. I'm not a big, you know. There's the elite trying to turn us into mindless clones or whatever. But the wealthy do have some very, very strange ways of presenting themselves. Yeah. Uh, for instance, uh, Klaus Schwab. Klaus Schwab. I mean, that guy looks like a Batman villain. That's, <laughs> that, that, that's the way he dresses. That's what he sounds like. Um, I mean, he wears these weird leather. You know, it just looks like something that, you know, the Joker or something would be wearing. Um, and, and of course, he says controversial things, which is his right. But there are quite a few things that make one stop and say, Okay, just exactly what is happening here? And That's I don't, true. I, I, don't, I would I, love to know the reason why these things came up, <laughs> but I, again, I think this goes back to this kind of concept of rough versus smooth, or you know, fine versus smooth grain, where you never really know what is going to catch attention and you know like for example southern demonology it's not it is a rather garish name for a podcast i'll be the first one to tell you that it's a great name i did it because i thought it it kind of encapsulates everything that i wanted to talk about Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) but uh some people have real serious problems with that with your name do they really Oh, gosh, yes. I've had people that have either refused to come on or uh, not even, like, bother talking to me because they're like, no, I don't like that thing. And that's not until I'm able to, you know, if I'm able to shove the proverbial foot in the door and go, look, I'm not here advocating for, you know, being possessed by a demon. They're like, oh, okay. Well, then, yeah, I guess that's fine. But <laughs> I've had people refuse to even like they've been on my show. It was a great conversation. And then I asked them to write something about it, post something about it. And they're like, no, I can't. Cause that's, that would that probably give, earn me backlash. Oh my God. That's so my, oh, well, then why did you appear in the first place? Well, did <laughs> you, exactly did, right. did you publish those episodes or did you just yeah, keep them? I did. Yeah. But, uh, I kind of disavowed any, relationship i had with this person afterwards because i wanted nothing to do with them at that point i've had the exact same experience i mean you want me to come on a truck on a show called trailer trash terrors why the hell would i do that (laughs) Uh, (laughs) and 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 then they go through and they read some of the titles that i've given to the uh, to the various episodes and they'll say uh, I don't think I want to be a part of all this. That was where Val was <laughs> at the beginning. Um, I talked him out of it. If I can get them on the show, they're generally pretty happy. But I've had the exact same thing happen. But, yeah, it, it's amazing. The You never quite know what is going to catch and be a block. And the more provocative something is – 
the higher the ridge and the easier it is to attract attention. Maybe at the end of the day, that was the intended purpose behind it. But then again, it's an airport. It's not like you're, you know, going to, unless you're going to go four hours out of your way to choose this one specific airport, you're kind of stuck with what you got. So I don't really know if that was the most useful of, uh, of experiments. So. <laughs> well, one of one of the biggest things about the airport was the Muriel. And uh, if you look at it, it's, it's kind of like celebrating death. It's celebrating murder. It's celebrating war. It's celebrating abortion. I mean, if you look at all the figures in it, I could see why that would be offensive to some. Give me the name again. The 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 mural that's at the Denver airport. Look oh, the mural. Oh, the mural. Okay. Is yeah. are we talking about? The, are you still talking about the Nazi one? Or are we talking about no, the? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was like I say. That was. So I'm I'm looking at a, a website that's got that that mural on it, mm-hmm. and it looks like so. There's this rainbow that's flying over the Nazi, uh-huh. off to the side. And it looks like it's actually part of a two mural set. There's another mural that has that rainbow culminating into a group of children celebrating peace standing okay. on top of that dead Nazi. So it looks okay, like. So it's, 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 it's misinterpreted then. Yeah. So it looks well, it's, like. It's incomplete. I never saw that other mural. They I didn't have either. They didn't have that there in the airport when I was there. Yeah, and then it looks like they've got another one that's a two mural where the first one looks disturbing and it's got this the the trees on fire and the people trying to save the animals and then the second one that shows the people celebrating and everything's growing back and all of that. So it looks like it was meant to be a statement um but to your point, so you've been all over that airport, and you didn't see the second one while you. Were I never there? saw. I never saw the second one. Now, yeah, I've good. been in that airport twenty times, maybe maybe more. Interesting, and, and never ever saw the second one. Huh. My company, the company I was working for at the time, did all the simulation for the Denver Airport bag, <laughs> baggage handling system, which. Um, I don't know if you remember that or not, but they spent millions and millions and millions of dollars on it and still could never get the thing working correctly. Um, it was like an endless stream of work for us, but I hated it because I didn't feel like I was doing any good at all. I yes. will tell you this, the best airport delivery system that I have ever seen mm-hmm. was it's always at any uh, Japan-based airport, when the suitcases come around the carousel, there's always a dedicated person there who eases it all from the carousel so it doesn't bump into the guardrail. Okay. Yeah, he's wow. they do it much more gently. It's it's amazing to watch them work. It really is. It was I, – I never even – felt inconvenienced by waiting the three minutes it took to get my suitcase because I was just <laughs> enraptured watching them work. <laughs> yeah, I'll second that. They were very efficient there at the airport when we went through. It was uh, – and and moving the people through the airport 
was very efficient as well. Um, yeah, you didn't feel like you were just stagnating in an airport waiting to to starve to death or whatever. Absolutely. Last last airport I was in, I, there was a TGI Fridays in there, so I had a hamburger and a cold beer, so I was happy. That sounds there pretty good. Go. <laughs> That's pretty good. But can you imagine eating your hamburger and drinking your beer looking at this painting? No. <laughs> that is definitely the most interesting mural I've ever seen in my life. Well, I sure wish I could have seen the other part. I can see how the, the rainbow could carry on. Um, but like I say, I never saw it do that. Okay. I think we've kind of exhausted that one. We're doing well here. We're, we're cranking these out. You know, if there's something to say, we say it. If it's uh, a topic that we can't go too deeply into, we move on. And here we are moving on. Well, can we go back to the um, horror movies just real quick? Oh, for as long <laughs> sure. as you wish. So I, I was trying to escape, mean, but <laughs> <laughs> I'm not trying to suck you back in too much. I will say that for every one of a movie like Nefarious that comes out and actually does most of a really, really good job, you get ones that are just blatant cash grabs. And those are the ones that piss me off the most. And I've said it before. I'll say it again. Fallen is the worst movie I have ever seen <laughs> because it cannot even get the name of the demon right. And I'm going to go back to it. It's Azazel. It is not Azazel. And the fact they keep saying that over and over again kills me. I, I'm like, no, uh-uh. It doesn't work like that. <laughs> so, Jake, or, uh, so, JJ, you're saying that we should... We should cover the Azazel topic next. No, I'm not. Uh, <laughs> well, that's all I wanted to say on the well, matter. I bet you wanted to mispronounce it for you. That's all. Well, Josh, <laughs> Josh, uh, Josh just asked me to ask JJ a question. Uh, he said, "Ask JJ about what skin marink? Skin marink? Oh my gosh!" Oh my God! Is that the movie where you see people's? You don't ever see the people. You just see the doorways and the and the ceiling and stuff. Yeah. So. Oh my God, yeah. that was horrible. Is that the one we started watching, JJ? And we yes, we is. killed I it. I think I, th- I think we just finally said no. This is this is just too bad. We're not going to watch this. Uh, it was. It actually took me a minute to even call up the name because I have so actively blocked it from any memory. <laughs> I have. I, here's what I want to ask about Skinnerink. It was, as far as I can see, I can see from, and I watched it for a while. How do I say this nicely? A um, pile of stinking turds. Um, <laughs> <laughs> which is about the nicest thing I can say about it. However, if you go out there and read about that movie online, all kinds of sources, you will see glowing reviews. Why is that? that? What puzzles me beyond all belief. Although I will say we just found out what two days ago, one day ago. I don't remember that uh, Rotten Tomatoes. A lot of critics that worked for Rotten Tomatoes were found to be taking money from a very specific PR firm to lie about their review. reviews. Oh I, yeah, okay. that doesn't surprise me one bit. Yeah, I, I'm deeply shocked. 
But uh, and, and I'm <laughs> sure shocked. this is probably one of those. But yeah, I heard some positive things uh, from a few horror reviewers on uh, YouTube and TikTok about the movie. And even though I typically stay away from films that I have not personally seen, whenever we do our Wednesday night movie night on the Discord server, I'm like, ah, I've seen enough positives. Maybe it would be worth a shot. And yeah, we got about 40 minutes into it. And, and it was ever painful. <laughs> only, I mean, literally, you can see like a first time filmmaker going, well, why should we actually see. Um, people in the shot. What if we just like captured the the bottom of their feet or the top of their heads or the very corners of raw walls? Wouldn't that just add to the mystique? And I wish someone had a rolled up newspaper and just slammed them in the face <laughs> over them. and over again. No, bad dog. Yeah, <laughs> bad director. Bad, bad director. Bad director. <laughs> you know, that, I, that I kind of. Rem- that uh, kind of reminds me of the one one of the craziest movies I ever watched. It was a waste of time for me, but the the Blair Witch Project. I'm like, really? Oh, I, I didn't hate that too much. I, yeah, I kind of enjoyed that. I enjoyed. I, I got a little nauseated. Yeah, um, actually, so I watched that movie, and we actually a few of us we were in Boston. And a few of us went over to Kendall Square, where MIT is, and we watched it in a theater there because it was the only theater that was still showing it. And um, the we had one girl with us. She went and threw up violently in the bathroom. Actually, it seemed to affect women much more than men, at least in terms of the motion sickness, mm. but... It is. I was actually just watching a video about this. It's rather amazing. And that film came out at kind of the perfect time. And I don't think that you could do it again today. You couldn't no, replicate no. this. But it was the but beginning the of a they, style. It is the style. But they a year before they even released this movie, they were putting up missing posters. On oh, really? <laughs> viral marketing things. Yeah. Nice. And they went hard at this. They never gave any indication that this was a movie. And you had, like, apparently huge uh, BBS systems dedicated to discussing this case. And then the movie hit, and it gave no indication that this was a, you know, a found footage horror film. Because, hell, it actually in- practically invented the genre. It did. Well, that it, was my point. Is it, it? It came out and it started a new type of filmmaking, and that was the beauty of it. Yeah. Well, um, it, I mean, the it, story was okay. It was decent, but it was the uh, the the newness of it, the 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 new experience of that style. Well, to Hopefully. me, it, it uh, started the whole ghost hunter thing. Because they were out searching for the Blair yeah, Witch, they right. were out searching for the Blair Witch, and it so so it paved the way for everything that's hot today. Well, it was like uh, Paranormal Activity, yeah, right. Well, so plus, so that I, began the IR at night type of you know movie of horror movie, and there have been others since that weren't nearly as good. 
Well, well, the thing that kills me is, first, paranormal activity films, and I'm not saying they're horrible, but they are the where's Waldo of what's happening in shot. Because exactly. you have to specifically, like, glare at the screen. And is that the thing that's moving? Is this what I'm supposed to be paying attention to? That's kind of annoying. The But the thing that kills me now about most found footage things is that they have to have a gimmick now. You know, oh, this is the one that's exploring VR. This is the one that's exploring doing a uh, a YouTube live stream, and that's the entire purpose of this film. And these gimmicks literally add nothing to the shows. They're just trying to take the thing into a new direction. And whenever you see a gimmick, it's automatically going to be a bad film. I have yet to find an example in which that has not been the case yet. Well, I remember finding the Blair Witch actually mildly frightening. I mean, I can remember sitting in the theater, which was in Seattle. I remember once again, I was on the road working and thinking, yeah, this is kind of scary. The ending, especially the, the ending, it definitely made me walk away scratching my head. Mm-hmm. Well, the ending was pretty cool, but the rest of the movie, the, the, the only the only problem that I really had with it was it looked like somebody. I mean, it looked like the whole movie was focused around someone wearing a video camera on top of their head. I just thought who, that was very who didn't know made. how to focus it. Yeah. <laughs> um. Well, it was the teeth that got me. I can just the whole teeth thing. I was nope, but I, I don't like, I don't like finding teeth. No, and I can see that. <laughs> so, well, just as long as they all wind up in Walmart heaven, they'll be okay. There's Walmart heaven, yeah. All <laughs> right, so let's let's say one that one that I really liked that we did on movie night was the uh, the one where. The Jewish guy had to to sit. Was it Shiva over the body, JJ? Yes, yes. I, I don't that remember the name of that. Really? Here, I'm looking it up as we speak because I don't remember off the top of my head either. But that, that one, one was one that was much better than I expected. That that turned out to be a really good, you know, sort of hidden gem. What was the name of it? He, he, I, don't think about, I don't think I was there that night. What was the name of the movie? I'm looking it up. Oh, okay. That's not the We Go On movie. No, it's which not. Which was another one that was pretty good. The my, So the favorite ones that we have streamed in the Discord server definitely has been... Hereditary, the um, the uninvited maybe. The uninvited. That um, sounds familiar. I'll I'll have to. I, I can't find it. No, I Hello, to. this is Cedric Dankworth Smythe. The poor boy is looking for the 2019 film, The Vigil. I have to do that. You this mean you don't you horrible. don't like the you? Uh, so JJ, you're, what what you're saying is you don't like the Friday the Thirteenth series. <laughs> oh no, I actually do. I I they're very repeatable, especially in the ones in which take uh Jason out of Camp Crystal Lake is just 
they're never good. But I enjoy the pure simplicity of the Friday the 13th. And my name is also Jason. So I, of course, am always rooting <laughs> for the boy who the, the series that I found the most tedious and I have never enjoyed is Michael Myers. Uh, I yeah I, I can't get behind that either. I appreciate. I just, I just find it boring. But yeah, it is absolutely boring. It's just a guy. Yeah, he may be amped up to all degrees, but I don't care. <laughs> this is the the Halloween. You're, you don't like yeah. Halloween? Actually, I enjoyed, and we watched them a couple years ago. Uh, and I think we all enjoyed the first two, and then the third one went way out there. See, that's the one I actually kind of enjoyed just for the song. <laughs> just the song and the mass and the idea. I saw this when I was a kid, and that song sent chills up my spine. Right. Eight more days till Halloween. <laughs> Look, I, I'm just going to tell you, I'm a genuine fan of the Eight More Days to Halloween movie. Okay. What about I, I, the uh, old Pumpkinhead films? I never watched them. What? You know, the pumpkin, look, the Pumpkinhead films are genuinely scary. And, and, and really atmospheric. You know, when they've, when they're heading up to the old witch's cabin and there's all this fog and you walk in and there's dead possums everywhere and this sort of thing. Yeah, it, it gets your attention. Well, as a kid, uh, the children of the corn kind of freaked me mm -hmm. out. Yep. He wants well, that you to, Malachi. That one did me too. And the reason why is I grew up, my childhood was spent living in a 200 year old log cabin. Oh my God. Okay. Haunted as hell. <laughs> but we had a giant oil painting. And the painting looked just like the barn. That's in Children of the Coin. Oh, my. In fact, there was a slight, there was a doorway, and the door was slightly ajar. And someone had painted a small little point of white light. And I ah, would okay. stare at that point of white light standing in the doorway and be terrified. <laughs> so it had nothing to do with the movie, but it was the fact that I had that damn bar in my house above <laughs> my bed that freaked me out. Yeah, but that's See, I never that saw that either. I'll tell you another movie that freaked me out when I was a kid, too. Uh, oh, my God. What was the name of it? It was when the two, two twin sisters appeared. Oh, the, uh, shining. the shining, the shining. Oh my god, that freaked like, me out. Yeah, there are a lot of scenes in that movie that, that make you pause. It does. You know, like well, the, I, uh, I guess we kind of got actually on the horror film subject. That's okay. <clears throat> <laughs> I will say the first horror movie I ever watched. I was six years old, and. My mom and grandmother decided to take me to a movie. And we went and saw, I thought we were going to go see something interesting, but either they were sold out or something else. I don't really remember. But the movie we went and saw, and I just begged to go see this, was Monster in the Closet. 
Oh my! I don't even know that movie. You shouldn't. Uh, it was supposed. <laughs> it was a B-rated movie. It was actually meant to be more horror comedy than anything else. But the the whole premise is there's a monster, and it could teleport between closets. Oh, cool! And it had two heads. It had a giant oh, head with a movie. huge gaping mouth, and then a little head that would pop out and go wow wow. And I was terrified, even though it was patently ridiculous. I was still terrified. And I think I have been chasing that feeling ever since. (laughs) Well, when I was a kid, the movie that scared me more than any other movie ever, and I have no idea why my mother put me down in front of the TV to watch it, was called The Manster. Anybody even heard of the Manster? The the Manster is a Japanese-American horror movie where there's, of course, it's a mad scientist. He's doing experiments on things. He's doing experiments on people. He's taken his wife and turned her into a slathering monster who lives in a cage and growls at everybody. And he's been injecting this one guy with, his special mad scientist serum. And at the end, you see this guy coming back toward the mad scientist. They, he pulls his shirt down and there's an eye growing on his shoulder. And then just as they're getting toward the end of the movie, this whole other head starts to grow out of his shoulder. Now, if I'm watching this now, I'm going to say, that's rather silly, but man, at six years old, I was, I was scared to the point where I didn't want to move. Yeah. I do it. Wow. You know, that sounds almost like a movie I watched called How to Get Ahead in Advertising. Did you ever see that? No. 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 Now, it was not a horror movie. It was this oddball movie. But this guy is. It's a play. Is it? Yeah, there's a play of that that title. Okay. So, So this guy is in advertising and he sort of grows a conscience overnight. I forget what happens. He has a panic attack or something and he starts growing a boil on his shoulder and the the boil eventually grows a face and a mustache it starts smoking (laughs) and then the boil turns out to be like his guilty conscience and the the negative the evil advertiser in him versus the good guy and it eventually grows a head and pushes his old head down into a boil (laughs) and it's got to be saying things to him like oh you know that doesn't really cure cancer or you know that (laughs) you know and yes tobacco really is bad for you (laughs) it was a great movie but you know it was an oddball but yeah it was the head came out of his shoulder and you know replaced his his good head Uh, look that needs to be a wednesday night movie Uh, i i Seems like we can probably put our hands on that, I would think. Well, <clears throat> speaking of horror movies, let me let me ask you guys a question for your opinion. Now, sometimes I think the horror movies go a little bit too far. And the reason why I say that, uh, I didn't really care for it, but take the movie The Curse. You guys remember that one from a few years back? Oh, yeah. Mm, I don't. 
when there's you, about three what, teenage girls who form a witch's coven and hijinks ensue. But, okay. But sometimes people can watch that stuff. And if you remember one of our older conversations about opening doors, sometimes I believe some of these movies are pushing the envelope, especially like The Curse or The Ring, if you remember that one, you know, where the girl climbs out of the well. Some of it's just demonic. Well, the ring. Oh, The Grudge. Uh, the Grudge. That's it. The, the Grudge. grudge. Okay. Uh, which had both The Ring and The Grudge have horrible, horrible American remakes. But yeah. the originals, Ringu and Juan, are just masterpieces. Holy goodness gracious. Uh, actually, one thing that I was listening to is there is an actress who starred in, I think, the latest season of American Horror Story. And she's going over some of the real-life hauntings that have been caused because of filming the series. Exactly. Opening doors. Yeah. They have been fascinating to listen to because apparently they like gave real kind of incantations or witches curses uh, for these actresses to, to read on screen. And some of them got violently ill because of it. Wow. Weird stuff started happening around it. And I went, yep, I'd never do that. Uh-uh. Mm-hmm. So what I'd like to see that interview. What's the name of it? Uh, it is. Uh, I have it on saved on TikTok. Okay, she has been posting stuff there, but she's done. I saw three uh, that she had done, but th yeah, they were really interesting. Okay, it's F nine time again. Okay, one, two, three, four, five. <clears throat> Ah, okay. Um, all right, this is pretty good. Let's see. The Seer Stones and Joseph Smith. Oh, God. Uh, number one. Number two is uh, La Mashtu. I don't have any idea what that even is. Uh, number oh, I do. Number <laughs> I've heard it on his podcast. I can't remember what it is, but number three is unusual, unusual religions, Pastafarianism. Uh, oh, Lord. Fourth one is Zana quit Russian village abuse. Uh, the fifth one is Occam's razor. And the sixth one is Gilgul's or soul migration. There was, I, I, I'll jump in. We can go to any of these you want, but I, I do want to say one thing. There was a time <clears throat> when I seriously thought that I could be a Gilgul. A who? A, a, who? Gil, a Gilgul. It's a, it's, a, it's a Jewish, I think it's a Kabbalistic concept of if a Jewish soul is denied the chance to live a Jewish life at some point, then some years down the line, he will it will reincarnate into another human with memories of <clears throat> things that happened during their life. And they'll be inexorably drawn to once again being Jewish. Well, 
<clears throat> I went through a period when I was whew, started probably when I was about 24, 25, where I read one single book. So you guys tell me if this is boring or not, but the book was Love Song by Julius Lester, talking about his uh, conversion to Judaism. And as I was reading it, I began to remember things that I did as a child. So when I was six in Converse, Louisiana, um, I knew a number of, of Hebrew words. And there was no possible way that I was going to learn any Hebrew in Converse, Louisiana. I had a kind of an understanding of the whole idea that there is a group of people called the Jews. And once again, I wouldn't have learned that. I always felt this sort of, I don't know, uh, affinity, you know, love for Jewish music, Jewish images, things like that. Uh And so I just began to wonder, you know, is that what I am? You know, is am I a Jewish soul searching for reintegration into greater Judaism. I eventually decided I was not. I have no idea how as a child I learned those things. But um, I don't know anybody else who's had that feeling. You know, where it's fascinating. It kind of reminds me of the subject of reincarnation. Yes, it does. It's, it is a type of reincarnation. But but I would ask things in when I was a child and my mom would she's dead. But she'll tell me about it. And, you know, I had very little interest in the New Testament, but man, did I ever love the Old Testament. And I would ask these questions that were genuinely coming from a Judaic standpoint. Yeah. And I can understand that draw. I can too. So in college, I was, I originally went in for philosophy and physics. And then realized that my, my math skills were just abysmal. I completed Cal 2, and I'm like, nope, I'm done. I'm out. Um, and then went to religion, and there's three different tracks. Uh, there was world religions, which interested me the most. Then there was theology, which, of course, is right up my alley because it's also because uh, I was also a philosophy major. But then there's biblical studies, and I had zero. I had so many bad experiences with the Protestant churches that I went to as a kid, I had zero interest in that. Yeah. And it wasn't until I walked past a Hebrew um, sign-up sheet for learning biblical Hebrew that I'm like, oh my gosh, that sounds amazing. And I signed up. And sure enough, that's what I then dedicated the rest of my entire academic career into doing is studying Semitic languages and, uh, and Second Temple Judaism. And, uh, it's in, in fact, one of the professors, which actually we got a chance to catch up with on the way back from our, my 25th college reunion, uh, Dr. Rogers. Such a lovely man. He's in his 80s now, and you just wouldn't know it. Uh, But most jovial guy in the world, he was our Hebrew professor, and he had a huge sign 
up in his office that said, Shlom, y'all. Shlom, y'all. Yeah, you told us about that. Yeah, that's pretty funny. Uh, but he always said, always struck me, and I kind of feel the same, is that if I had not found salvation through Christ, then I would be a Jew. Well, and I will, I will tell you. Unfortunately, in Hebrew Bible. In fact, I yeah. know very little about the New Testament, and I am not really ashamed to say that. <laughs> so, well, unfortunately, your love for the Hebrew is what caused me to graduate summa cum barely. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's almost up there with Walmart heaven. Exactly. (laughs) All right. So one of the books that I've read, look, this is Victor nerd territory, but look, I'm with JJ. I I probably can't out nerd JJ. Um, Oh, no, you you can definitely (laughs) out nerd me. I promise you. (laughs) (laughs) But anyway, when when I was about 14, I started reading the varieties of religious experience, um, which is still a book I'm really happy I read. But in there, you know, he's talking about the ways that different people come to a particular religion, what, you know, and what they experience. And, and a fair amount of the book talks about ecstasy. You know, that, that feeling of uh, deep, deep connection to God. Right. And the first time that I felt that is something close to an adult was probably reading some of the Jewish texts. Not yeah. the, not the, not necessarily the Bible, because I, of course, had read that all the time, many times, but parts of the Talmud, uh, other, other just academic books that were written by that. And later on, uh, and you guys can ridicule me for this if you want, but I decided that there came a point when I did find salvation through Christ. And I did find that I could fully devote my heart and my mind and my being to that. Yeah. But I think, I don't think Christ necessarily has the same plan for everybody to come to him. I think my going through the years of Jewish study that I did was, was an absolute fundamental part of the plan for me. Well, you can't have one without the other. Correct. Uh, and uh, the, and uh, the reason why I say that is we, we have a lot of groups these days that's New Testament only. And I'm oh, going to really? borrow one of JJ's sayings that's bullshit. Um, <laughs> okay. But, hold back. Well, thank you for making that clear. Yeah. But, but I mean, I mean, it, 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 it goes together. You can't have the old covenant without the new covenant. Or you can't have the new covenant without the old covenant. Correct. And and one of the things, one, one of the greatest books in the Old Testament, if you can read it and really try to understand it, is the Song of Solomon. Mm-hmm. Because it is a love book between man and God. Correct. And uh, so, I mean, I'm right on with you. You 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 got to have the old. And uh, I... Uh, I, I remember one of the greatest books that I ever read was uh, called The Temple. And uh, it was written by Alfred Edersheim. 
he was a Jew that became Christian, but he he explains everything in the old covenant um, and makes it real and applicable applicable for today. But uh, I'm right with you guys. I mean, the 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 old Jewish writings are awesome. I uh, I finally found that I just my trying to be a Jew was harming my family. So at that point, I decided probably not a good idea to continue. Oh yeah, but I um I've got something slightly related, but also slightly off topic. Okay, can, before we go there, can <laughs> can I take it back to the beginning of what Victor said? Yeah, of course. The what was the name of this topic, Victor? The Gilgul, G-I-L-G-U-L. Okay, so the Gilgul, is is there an actual foundation in the, the, the Jewish writings for yes. something like reincarnation? Well, I believe it's a Kabbalistic concept, and JJ could probably tell me about that, but <clears> – <throat> The Kabbalah has a, a lot of stuff in it that most Jews just kind of ignore. Gotcha. So it'd be the the, the Kabbalah. Okay. Well, that's the, what I was looking for. The Jill is is it's basically a concept of reincarnation or the transmission of souls. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it, it means cycle or wheel, and so they believe that we're on this wheel of life that you go from one life to another. Well, I guess what I'm... In in different human bodies, though. Right. I guess what I'm getting at is, is there a connection? So so Jesus was a Jew. He was Jewish. So is there anything in the New Testament that references the Kabbalah? No. Not that I know of. No, okay. the 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 only thing that would reference anything is our uh, uh, being resurrected with Christ. In other Correct. words, when we die, we're in this fleshly tent. We're more alive than we've ever been. Uh, so, I mean, it, the answer is no. Well, I mean, personally, I hate the idea of resurrection. Dear innocent boy, of course Dick Hermanson is not a candidate for resurrection. He meant to say reincarnation. Uh, I don't want to come back and live another human life. Exactly. Neither do I. (laughs) (laughs) I, uh, I've done the best I can with this one, and uh, I'm not terribly, terribly proud of what I've done. (laughs) Amen to that. (laughs) But, But... I would like to move on to something better. Exactly. But there there are, I mean, realistically, there there are cases out there that are compelling. For oh, yes. Very compelling. Yeah, very, very compelling. One of the places where they've researched that the most is the University of Virginia. And I've, I don't remember the professor's name there, but... We were doing work at the University of Virginia, and I just decided I would go see if I could find him. I did. Had a really, really nice afternoon. He was telling me about some of the the 
kids mostly that he was working with. You know, a, right. a kid who a kid who said, "Look, I was a I was a fighter pilot pilot in World War II." And he knew things that no kid should ever know about airplanes and World War II and you know, being a fighter pilot. You know, I, I can't ignore that. I think that's one of the most famous cases. The the kid who was the fighter pilot actually knew details about when he died, how he where died, where he died, where he <clears throat> died, his name. I mean, he, this was like a lot of compelling information. He knew the control systems of British airplanes. Oh wow, where does that come from? Yeah, I mean, unless unless you you can come up with the way that the parents are feeding this information. Right. I mean, you could, you could dispute it that way, but I don't know. I, there's, there's a lot of interesting stories out there. Um, but I had had a discussion uh, on a, a, a different discord group about that. And somebody said, well, there's no evidence, you know, there's no references in the Bible that say reincarnation is possible. Because my perspective was, well, I don't know if it excludes it. I, I don't think it says that that's what happens either. Well, I mean, like, no, gonna- absolutely. There's no references. So I was just curious if there was anything. But he wouldn't have been he wouldn't that person <laughs> wouldn't have considered the Kabbalah to be a uh, a valid reference anyway. Well, I mean, this is where my theology kind of deviates. Okay. Yes, the Bible either says something or it doesn't say something about it, but God is over, utterly sovereign and can, <laughs> do, and can do what he wishes. And I'm not certain that there aren't times when God decides, hmm, this one needs a different path. That's fair. I, I, and I have to me, that doesn't that doesn't impact my faith at all. Yeah, I'd say he has the right. <laughs> Absolutely the right. Yes. You know, this one but needs a different we have path. a choice for that path, too. Yes. I mean, God we're, will we're bring gi- We're given path. free will. Yeah. But see, that goes with the great wisdom of Led Zeppelin. Uh-huh. There's two paths you can walk by. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I'm crazy, guys. But Mike, I love your musical the, taste uh, and references. <laughs> now, I think your musical taste is fantastic. And to, reading today is from the Book of Plant. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's right Robert Plant <laughs> so alright we are at one hour oh, 58 minutes and 41 seconds I'm I sorry Dave J- I stopped JJ's thought I-, I wanted to give it back to him I just I wanted to ask that before we sort of moved off of the topic oh no 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 you're not bothering me at all um, maybe we'll save this for another conversation because it can get a little lengthy and maybe a tad bit. Mm, yeah, it, it may be a little bit more revealing about myself than what I intend to do. So, yeah. All right. We'll so, so give me, give me the topic, Jake. Or uh, I keep wanting to call you, but Jake, anyway, sorry. Give me the topic, JJ, and uh, I'll put it on a roundup. Sure. It is the refilling of faith. Wow. Ooh, that's a good topic. What a great that's topic. A very good topic. Awesome. Very good topic. All right. I've got that on the list for the next roundup. Well, I can surely tell you that I've gone through periods of time in my life where 
faith was hard to find. Absolutely. Let me go ahead and just ask the question. Have y'all ever felt the direct hand of God refilling your faith? Yes. I have on three separate occasions, and they were much younger. In my, I mean, they were in back in college and grad school. But yeah, it uh, those moments still stand out to me so vividly, and they bring such peace when thinking about it. And that's all I wanted to go over. Well, <laughs> these are the things that that would be in the varieties of religious experience. I mean, this is you know, this, these can ecstatic- I add one thing to that too? Yeah. Uh, on on the lines of what JJ said, uh, I mean, you you guys know what I've been going through with my spine and skeletal skeletal system. Um, I know you've had some pain. I oh yeah. I guess I don't know the details. But when I had my hips replaced, uh huh, I was laying in the bed. I mean, just in excruciating pain. Right. And at that point in time, I believe God showed me what it really meant for St. Paul to have a thorn in the flesh. Mm -hmm. And that in my weakness, he is strong in me. And that was one of the most refreshing moments that I ever had in my life. I mean, it was mm. it was amazing. Just 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 a little plug to go along with what JJ said. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna make a statement to kind of bring things to a close. It's a sort of Victor Maudlin statement. I make these statements occasionally, probably embarrass people when I do, but I don't know. Even moments like this, um, I can't tell you how hard it is to find an avenue in life where one can clearly and and without shame talk about these topics. I oh, mean, yeah. Th- this, yeah. Is, this is what lives in my mind all the time, all the time. Well, this and, is a good avenue for us to talk about it, too. I mean, I mean, we, I mean. Oh, yeah, are, it's, a, it's, a, it's an excellent it's avenue. It's a great thing, yeah. yeah these are, but these are, these are the thoughts that are in my mind all the time. And, man, when most of the time – if you try to start a conversation about these things, people very quickly remember something very important they have to do. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, that's that's usually when I ask the question, are you offended or convicted? Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's a, they're not offended. They're, they're just – they just don't want to go there. Exactly. They don't care. But, but they don't care. Exactly. But anyway, I I don't mind saying these things anymore. I'm at that stage of life where I'm just going to say what I feel. I'm uh, I grateful for God to God for the fact that I have access to the three of you. I yes. really am. I mean, I believe like many things in my life. God does not give you necessarily what you want, but I do believe that most of the time He gives you what you need. Yes. And I do need this. So you're a Rolling Stones fan. I'm a Rolling Stones fan. <laughs> you can't fan. always do what you want. <laughs> well, but if you try well, sometimes, you get what you need. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I agree. I, I think he gives you what you need, whether you realize you need it or not. 
Well, yeah. you know, we just lost some fans there by talking about God, but that's, that's okay. okay. So, you know what? I don't care. I don't, I don't either. either. At, at the totally end with of you. The day, you know, as as people get older, and I think this is perhaps especially true of men, because we tend to close ourselves off. And I know that I spend the majority of my life in my magical basement working constantly and doing whatever else I want to do. I shut people out or just don't have many avenues to meet new people. And the fact that I've got, I have encountered y'all and I've always said the best part about Southern demonology has never been about talking to the void and getting views or whatever, or listens or whatever the hell else it is. It's the fact that I have made such meaningful connections and y'all are at the top of the heap, and I cannot tell you how much I appreciate getting to know y'all. <laughs> that, that means a lot. Same here. All right, gentlemen, anybody else have any um, statements they'd like to make before we call it a rundown? Oh, uh, last thing, uh, David, if you can add to the list Avatar, Avatars, not not the horrible James Cameron BS, but... <laughs> All right. Oh. So, <laughs> Although I Josh? have to say that had beautiful graphics. Did uh, y'all no, hear Josh? No. No, I didn't. <laughs> and not the horrible M. Night Shyamalan avatar either. <laughs> I knew I liked you. Oh, God, I knew I liked you. Oh. <laughs> No, uh, but I really do want to talk about avatars in relation to Malachi Martin. Wow. Uh-huh. That's, I think that's a really okay. good one. That would, That's a good topic. I would enjoy that one. Before Bob Larson kind of really went off the rails, um, you guys know who I'm talking about, right? Yes. Uh, I do believe Bob's yeah. gone off the rails. <laughs> <laughs> but he wrote a book called the book of cults, the Bob Larson's book of cults. And it was really wonderfully, wonderfully researched and pretty well written. And he relates this situation where these academics somewhere were watching who at the time was called Bubba free John. <laughs> so, do, do you guys know who Bubba Free John was? Absolutely not. Okay, nope. he's, now they call him Da Free John, and he's a uh, Indian style guru, but he's American. And what they were talking about was oh, finally, I'm so happy we finally have an American avatar. <laughs> Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway. Don't even get me started on Bob Larson, though. Oh, that's that's fine. We we can talk Uh, about that later or whatever. uh, Yeah. (laughs) I mean, it just gets me that he wants to charge people for exorcisms. Mm. Uh, That's that's BS. I'm sorry. I won't go there. I'll hush now. Father Birdsong, you are a natural part of the Paranormal Rundown. Uh, I'm so happy that you are here. And I'm sure that the other two have the same feeling. I appreciate it, guys. I, I thoroughly enjoy talking to each and every one of you, and uh, I share the same sentiments. Well, I, I voted you. against you coming on. I just don't like you that much. <laughs> oh, <yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> all right. I have all kinds of other things I could say, could go on for hours, but I think two hours is a good time frame. We're 2.05. Yes. Uh, by the time I edit it down and get rid of a few things, it'll be about two. 
But anyway, this is um, Vic Hermanson and signing off with the Paranormal Rundown. Thank you so very much for listening to the first Paranormal Rundown of the new Rundown Era. The era with Father Birdsong. The era where we're starting to get enough mental energy here to actually do something worth doing. The music you heard tonight was all provided by Lobo Loco and Smart Sound. Any media clips we used were used under the protection of the Fair Use Doctrine. The Paranormal Rundown is a joint production of myself, Vic Hermanson, J.J. Johnson, Dave Griffith, and Father Michael Birdsong. I want you to ask yourself if you've ever heard a podcast exactly like The Paranormal Rundown. If the answer is no, then please come back to hear it again in a couple of weeks. This month, October, we will have two Halloween episodes. One special episode with Sylvia Schultz, and another special episode with Chris James of Strange Things with Chris James. I'll ask you two things. First, tell your friends, tell your enemies, tell people, as Chris James says, you don't even know about the Paranormal Rundown. Tell them, hey look, there are four of the biggest nerds you can possibly imagine talking about this massive list of paranormal topics. It is absolutely worth your time. And, please, wherever you listen to your podcasts, go up there and rate and review. That will help the rundown spread. If you need to talk to us, if you have a question, if you have a topic you'd like to hear discussed, if you have the paranormal invading your life, write to us at feedback at paranormalrundown.com. Until next time, this is Vic Hermanson, signing off.